Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air. And become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, while taking a shortcut through an alley, a couple encounters an odd figure. However, this figure is only visible to one of them. A family is awoken in the middle of the night by an uncle, but when they open the door, no one is there. It isn't until later in the night they discover why. An engaged couple's relaxing getaway to Vegas is anything but relaxing when they stay in a haunted room in a popular hotel on the Strip. Those stories, your calls, and more today at Real Ghost Stories Online. It's Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hello. And how are you this fine day? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing uh, absolutely lovely. Just recently posted up on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com some of my favorite creepy antique store photos okay. that I've taken over the years. As you know, I like to wander through antique stores and take pictures uh-huh. of just bizarro things. So I ask you, what's the creepiest thing you've ever seen in an antique store? Probably there was this light up ceramic dog that was a lamp and it's the light came through its eyes. I remember that. It was the weirdest thing ever. Does that I I, I think you're gonna change your story. Okay. I, and I did not take a picture of this. I wish I would have. Because I think there's something creepier than that that you've seen in an antique store. Can you think of anything else? The slave graves. Yes. Yeah. That was really bad. That was the worst thing I've ever seen in an antique. That was like beyond creepy. That was just like wrong. I would put that in the most appalling thing I've ever seen at an antique store. Yeah. Not necessarily the most creepy, but the most inappropriate and appalling. Yeah, like creepy is a oddly looking Santa Claus drinking 7-Up. Yeah. Because Santa Clauses that are, are oddly looking are just creepy to begin with, and they're kind of falling apart and mm-hmm. faded. And when they're drinking 7-Up, it's off kilter because it's not Coca-Cola. Right. So there's something very wrong with a Santa like that. But yeah, the slave gravestones were just beyond... You should not be selling that at an antique store. And of all places, it was way up north. It wasn't yeah. even down south. That was in Wisconsin. It was. I, I think was they, really surprised. I think it was in Princeton. Yeah. In Princeton, Wisconsin at the antique store. Bizarre. You know, even if you had that in your possession, for whatever reason, you know, people come into contact with things for whatever reason. For, Mm -hmm. you know, relatives pass away, you're going through their stuff, you end up inheriting a bunch of shit you don't really want, but it's there and you're going through it. Even if you come across that and you did not willingly go out and attain the object... I don't think that would ever cross my mind of, oh, I'm going to go sell that in an antique store. 
Right. Even if it was worth money, which there probably is some sort of weird attainable value to such a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no markings on those to say, oh, it belongs here or there. Right. I mean, if that did exist, I'd be like, I'm going to put them back where they came from. Right. But, you know, if you didn't have them, what would you do with them? I certainly would not sell them in an antique store. But what do you do with them at that point? If you couldn't return them to where they belong. Yeah. I would see if I could contact some um, museum to see if they would want them as part of their collection for sure. educational purposes. Because that's more of a, for lack of a better term, a tribute, if you will, you know, to the life of someone uh, rather than being sold as a good. Yeah. It, it's a, for, a, a, for a, a historical purpose. Or I would at least yeah. start there to see what they suggested because I wouldn't want to keep it in my possession. And I no. would... You know, of course, want to try and put it back where it goes. Sure. I just mean looking at them because we we looked at them for a little while and went, what the hell is this? Yeah. Oh, those are slave gravestones. Uh, Okay. And then I asked you. They're two for one today. (laughs) I asked, you allow your tenants to sell these? And they're like, well, it's, it belongs to the owners. Like, oh. Even they felt uncomfortable about it. Yeah. Not shopping here anymore. Yeah. Anyway, up on the website at Real Ghost Stories Online, I have six of the uh, creepiest antique store finds that I've seen in a while. Uh, a, a creepy Santa Claus with a 7-Up is one of them, <laughs> including some wonderful artwork that would be lovely above someone's mantel place of a, they're like a hotel or something burning <laughs> and uh, some other fine goods from, from years gone by, you know, electric items that are intended to be used uh, with water <laughs> You know, Uh just stuff that could easily go horribly wrong. There were once just everyday items. So check it out. It's on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's kick off the show today with uh, a letter Tamara writes in. Let's get some fine, spooky mood music playing, shall we? Is it Tamara or Tamara? 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 T-A-M-A-R-A. I would say Tamara. Tamara? Mm Mm-hmm. Sure not Tamara? Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Tamara, Tamara, you let us know. I love to read about the paranormal, although it scares me to death to think that it might happen to me. Somebody once told me that people who are terrified of ghosts will, in fact, actually never see ghosts. I don't know if that I necessarily believe that, but in times of great fear when alone and it's pitch dark, which in itself terrifies me, that's a little piece of information that is of comfort to me. So, I find it quite interesting that one time when I'm absolutely certain I was touched by paranormal, it was not under the circumstances that normally frightened me. I'm European, and in the summer of 1995, I was living in London. The August of that year was extremely hot. It seemed that the second you stepped out of the shower you had just taken to cool off, you were covered in perspiration again. My boyfriend Sam and I were somewhere, and it just happened that we walked through a narrow, cobbled street, something that was very reminiscent of old parts of European towns, and looks like it could very well have been there for centuries. As we're holding hands and walking, an old man approached us, wearing heavy woolen clothes, a rigid uh, conical cap with flaps, much like a person would be dressed in uh, late autumn or even winter. His clothes were clearly old and ragged gray and dark brown. I remember looking at him, and he did not seem to perspire. He did, however, look back at me and grinned, 
He had hardly any teeth left, and the ones that he had were yellow, almost brown, and very old-looking. Old as in four or five centuries ago. I honestly thought that he was an actor in one of the little staged performances that uh, abound in England during the summer uh, for the tourists, and he was just going home after he was done. When the man was well behind us, I said to Sam that I'd really like to go uh, to one of those they must be interesting. To one of what? asked Sam. To those fairs that this old guy just came from, I said. What guy? was the question. I thought Sam was toying with me. After a lot of back and forth, it turns out that Sam did not see the man, which would have been impossible since the street was narrow and only about five or six people could have walked shoulder to shoulder, which means that we were very close to the man that I saw. After I'd given it a good think, I realized that the one thing that puzzled me, but I hadn't given it a conscious thought until later, the man had a raggedy bag, almost like a backpack thrown over his shoulder and a few small tin cans were tied to it. But I had heard no sound of clinking, although they were all tied together in a bundle. It took me a while to realize that what I had seen was probably a ghost, and the only reason I believed Sam when he said he hadn't seen the man is that he was always very honest and knowing my almost pathological fear of ghosts, he would not have found it amusing to frighten me. The interesting thing to me was that this was the time of my life when I was probably the happiest. It had been a bright and sunny day, quite unlike one would have thought the atmosphere where the ghosts appear would be. Love your show. Listen to it on the podcast. Just started a few days ago, but I'm going through all the available episodes while driving to and from work. Very interesting stuff. Well done. I think it's pretty safe to say you saw a ghost, especially since he didn't see it. Yeah. I think you may be uh, one of those folks that are sensitive to these things more so than others as well. Yeah, and I'm not real sure as far as the first few statements about the if you're afraid of them, you won't see them. I don't know that I subscribe to that. No, I don't think you have much of a choice in the matter, honestly. No. I think either you are or you aren't. I think if you realize you are at some point, if you're like a real sensitive person to that sort of thing, we've talked about this before where there's ways of kind of tuning that down or turning that off, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's really a choice that anyone makes. No, and I don't know that they give two hoots if you're afraid or not. No, and and nor do I think, I mean, I think there are certain atmospheres, because she was saying at the end it was a sunny day, not when you usually think of this stuff. I think there's certain environments that certainly would increase your odds like we were talking about in yesterday's episode with storms and such just the energy in the air mm-hmm. that can necess- that maybe help them manifest themselves to everyone um, but I, I don't think they discriminate especially folks who are able to just see these things without the extra energy needed right you know I think there's to everyone else, to the general public who may not have these gifts and abilities, maybe that extra energy is needed mm-hmm. in some cases, but uh, to the folks that don't, uh, or that, that can see beyond that, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. So, interesting, interesting story. Uh, thanks for, uh, for writing in. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, be sure to tell a friend about it. Share a link on Facebook or Twitter. Of course, your support is what helps our show stay alive and 
grow. Julia writes in, Hi, my name's Julia, and I've been listening to your podcast for a while, and I love it. I'm a nurse, and I sometimes feel like I'm the only nurse without a nursing-related ghost story. I did, however, have a very creepy experience a few years ago. I'd recently moved home to Melbourne to live with my dad, and my mom died. I had no car at the time, so to get to work for a 7 a.m. shift, I had to leave home at 4.30 a.m., catch a tram, and then a train to get there. One morning, while I was walking down my street to the tram stop on the corner, I had a very real sensation that someone else was there behind me. I stopped and looked around, but no one was there, so I continued walking. Again, I had the same feeling that someone was walking behind me despite not hearing anything. I turned around again and I was almost nose to nose with a man. My heart stopped and I seriously turned and jumped about six feet forward, landing in the middle of the cross main road. This occurred just near the corner of the street. My first thought, as a fairly rational human being, was that this was just some creepy dude that doesn't understand personal space. But as I turned around to ensure he wasn't still following me, the street was empty once again. I was so scared and power walked to the next block. It wasn't until a bit later that I realized that when I had turned to face the man, he didn't acknowledge me at all. In fact, his his facial expression didn't change at all. It was as if he didn't even see me. The part of the street I was walking down was near the corner where the restaurant is, as there's a solid brick wall, so nowhere to hide or jump out from and nowhere to go. I never walked down that side of the street on my way back to work again, but I would walk further to the next tram stop where there's a 24-hour pub and always people and security guards about. I still get a bit creeped out when I remember coming face-to-face with this man, wearing a hoodie and cap with a grim, stony expression on his face that didn't change. Meanwhile, I mainly work in aged care, so when people pass away, it's usually very peaceful and expected, so maybe that's why I've never had any restless spirits to interrupt my work. Thanks for the show, and take care, Julia. Well, you may not have had a uh, paranormal experience in the, uh, the nursing care, but you had something, I guess, somewhat close to it. Yeah, I'd be curious to find out if anybody had died in that particular part of the street there. Or you know. I'm guessing with time, a lot of people. <laughs> I know. The, the curiosity in me always wants to find out who these ghosts are. And I sure. know it's probably not worth the time spent, but I'm just always curious. Oh. I feel like that's my way of kind of acknowledging them. I wonder if she's ever thought of this aspect of it. I, Working in nursing care, I wonder if any of the spirits or the people that she's worked with that have passed on uh, essentially her shift or that were close to her, that, that felt a connection to her. Because eventually, working there in a long time, you certainly make connections with some of the folks that you're working with. You know, it's not always geographic. Uh-huh. You know, could this have been someone that she had known that had been in her care to some extent and uh, was kind of just making themselves known there? In a younger, healthier form? Yeah. As far as, as healthy as you can be as far as being dead? If you get to, to choose your age, you know, where you uh-huh. ghost where you have to cut your hair as a ghost, you know, and change your clothes. You don't have to do that. That makes sense. It could be. Could be. I don't know. 
You never really know. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you've not already done so, please press subscribe on whatever platform of the show you're listening to us on. That way you won't miss any episodes of the show that uh, we send out to you. And you help us grow our community. It's a big help to us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. So please make sure that you uh, you do that if, uh, if you can. And now I'll press play on the call without it pressing play by itself. Hi. Hey, Tony. Hey, Jimmy. Uh, this is Billy, North Carolina. I'm a guy with many dogs. <laughs> uh, I haven't called in a while, but you guys are doing a really good job. And uh, you wanted to know about the orange vest for hunting. Um, that's a law. Any, every state's different, but um, most states require you wear some type of orange uh, to, to go hunting. Not all, but most. Um, and it varies from state to state. And uh, one more thing, I know we talked about the remote coming out of the chair at my house. I told you guys about a few months back. Um, the only thing that's really happened to me since was that I was making food uh, a few weeks ago, glad not, and I was I, I, I had been hearing the, the television talk. All of a sudden, it stopped. Well, it's a satellite, so if you ever stop. If you don't touch the remote for an hour or so, it'll it'll ask, do you wish to, you know, just going to cut off? And it, it has yes, no, and cancel. And I was just standing there, and I heard it stop, so I turned around, and that uh, warning popped up. And it goes by itself over to no and comes back on by itself. There's no one around except me and my lab and two winnie dogs and my parents from the bed. So uh, I guess that just goes along with <laughs> everything else we've had happen, but... um I called basically because of the orange vest about hunting. So I uh, just wanted to let you guys know, but y'all are awesome. Uh, I look forward to many more episodes, and uh, thank y'all for everything you do. Thanks. Thanks, Billy, for uh, calling in and giving us the insight uh, on the hunting vests and your uh, your story. We've also learned in our ignorance of hunting here on the show uh, about uh, the other reasons, because deer apparently can't see blaze orange. So. Yeah, Ren on the message board filled us in and said that they don't really see colors, but mm-hmm. they can see patterns. And so it's more so the pattern to keep the hunter camouflage, but then the orange vest obviously is there to keep other hunters from shooting each other, but the deer's not going to notice the blazing orange, which that makes a lot more sense to me now that I know that they don't see the colors, they just see the patterns. Okay, here's another sportsman question for you. Okay. Does it really matter if you're talking in a boat? Will that scare the fish away? Or was my dad just trying to get me to shut up? I've always learned to be quiet in the boat. My dad always told me to be quiet in the boat. Was your dad trying to get you to shut up? No. <laughs> Are you sure? My Are dad you really wasn't a conversationalist, so he okay. and I didn't talk a lot in the sure. boat anyway, but okay. I tried to be as quiet so it didn't scare the fish away. But is that true? Is my question. I mean, just think. When you're in a pool or something uh-huh. and you go underwater, you don't really hear a whole hell of a lot that's above the water. And you're usually pretty close to the top. Fish are usually a bit deeper than that. Yeah, but think about this. If you spend your entire life underwater, you're going to be able to pick up on those subtle changes a lot better than if you're just going swimming twice a summer. So they're super hearing. It's not necessarily super hearing, but I think they can sense a change. The vibration? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
does your does the sound waves penetrate the water though that deep? I have no idea, but my dad never ever told me any other time to be quiet, so I don't okay. think he was just trying to shut me up. I think it was because there was a reason. My dad told me to be quiet a lot. See, so, I think your dad just wanted you to shut up. I think that could have been the case. Yeah. Hey, Tony, have some Starburst and shut up. Yeah. I hated fishing. I loved to fish. We never caught anything. Oh. We're going to go fishing this spring, you and I together. I enjoy fishing when I catch things. Yeah. You see, 98% of my fishing experiences were no fish. It was just sitting in a boat. And to this day, I've tried going back out with him as an adult. Uh-huh. And again, he's like, oh, we're going to catch all these. I've been catching them here and there. And it did Okay, great, Dad. It'll be fun. Let's do it. Go out. I was like 26 uh-huh. or so last time I think I went out. Again, it was like recreating my childhood. <laughs> We get out there at like 6 a.m. and just rough water and no fish. And I had no candy either. He didn't even buy me candy at the gas station, which was the perk as a child. I was I was fortunate as a kid that we had a lake behind our house. And it wasn't a huge yeah. lake. You couldn't do motorboats or anything on it, but it was big enough that sure. it would take a while to row across from one side and back. Yeah. So... I would just read the lake when the lake was calm and I could see the fish swirls. Yeah. I'd go out there and catch fish, but I don't have the attention span to sit in a boat all day hoping to catch something. Yeah. That's well, that's what, what he does. I mean, some days are good. Some days are bad. I've always catch the bad days, but there was in my backyard, we would catch little, you know, suckers is what they called them. Uh-huh. Uh, and they were like always there. That was fun. I enjoyed that because you'd catch the fish. Um, but then uh, it was one time we went ice fishing that was really like amazing. It was like every time you put the thing down, fish, 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 fish. Mm-hmm. Two times out of many. Uh-huh. So I don't know. I know it's one of those things he wanted to go for like bonding and, you know, that sort of an experience. But it was like he was more frustrated than anything because he wasn't catching fish (laughs) the entire time that kind of ruined the whole experience. And I was frustrated because there was no fish. and I was just getting seasick and I wanted to go in. And yeah, it was never, (laughs) never worked. We always had pretty decent fishing. In fact, my grandfather, who's like 80% blind, he went down to the lake and went fishing one time and he brought up fish for breakfast. So it was that good. Not that you have to be able to see to fish, but he didn't even know what the conditions were. He just went out to try and fish. Is there any ghost fish stories? Not as far as ghost of the fish. (laughs) Well, I mean, technically, there's a lot of fish stories. You know, where it's like, I caught this fish and, you know, and then he got away. Uh-huh. You're technically a ghost fish. <laughs> if they believe it. Yeah. They believe they actually caught it. Uh, Gilbert writes in, hello, Tony and Jenny. I have a few small uh, encounter stories, but this is one. Uh, this is the one that sticks out in my mind the most. My mother told me this story and she does not believe in ghosts, but she still tells this tale and cannot explain what happened. She was about 16 years old in the late 60s. She talks about one night at 12.30 a.m. She saw headlights go through her window and heard a car honk. She got up and saw that it was her uncle, my grandpa's brother. She hears her uncle say, uh, Donico, I'm here. My grandpa's name is Donico. She heard her dad respond in Spanish, I'm on my way. Hold on. She gets a robe on and meets her dad in the living room. They open the door and there's nothing outside. No car and no uncle. 
She didn't understand what happened until the phone rang about an hour later explaining that my grandpa's brother was killed in a horrific car accident around midnight. He was on the highway, fell asleep behind the wheel, and ran into a broken-down big rig. He was killed instantly. He had a convertible Mustang, and my mother said she saw the exact same car out of her window. I didn't believe her tale until my grandpa showed me the newspaper article of the accident. He did have a Mustang. Maybe my grandpa's brother showed up to say bye before he went on to the other life. Personally, I've had a few encounters with ghosts. I'm not so sure what I make of them, but this story makes me feel at ease whenever I encounter a spirit. I have another story of a haunted girlfriend. The haunting isn't the reason we broke up, but rather the thing that did not leave her alone. I wonder if it's still with her. Thank you, Gil. I think that was just him coming by to say goodbye, or maybe he didn't even realize he was dead yet. That's what I wonder. I'm wondering if when something like that happens and it's such a quick tragic thing that you know one second you're going along one second you're dead Mm -hmm. if the energy of that person and and the task that they're performing and their consciousness just continues going Mm -hmm. as if the car never stopped and the car continues with them whatever is you know propelling them with the energy it's all just continuing on on that journey and he in his mind the ghost which he became in an instant literally just pulled into the parking lot or into their driveway like he was planning on doing and was acting out just as he was thinking he was to act out as he got there. Yeah. And he didn't realize he was dead either. Oh. You hear a lot of that. You do. Where, where it's real sudden occurrences. Suddenly, sometimes the task at hand that's trying to be performed is still somewhat carried out or attempted to be carried out mm-hmm. and witnessed by others uh, and then suddenly just gone. Yeah. What I wonder, like, at what point do they realize that they're a ghost, or are they just sucked out to the other side without ever really? I don't know. I don't know if it's something that they have to observe their family for a little bit before they get the message, or how that works. No. Very interesting story. Thank you for writing that in. Sarah Bell writes in, Hi again, I'm still listening and love the show and have even gotten some friends at work to start listening as well. Well, thank you. I wanted to share with you another story that happened at the old farmhouse we used to live in. This one takes place at about 2003, 2004 or so. After my parents had gotten a divorce and I'd moved out with my mom and left my oldest sister, Leanne, and gotten married. Here it goes. I was sitting at home alone with my middle sister, uh, Leanne, and uh, came and picked me up. We were heading over to my dad's house because he was on the road, and our oldest sister, Leanne, was uh, cleaning out the upstairs and didn't want to be there by herself. When we got there, she was in uh, Lambs Lanes. I was, I was saying Leanne. It's, it's Lanes. Laney. Laney. Laney? Laney. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm horrible with names. Laney. Laney's old room. Just about done with cleaning it. Now, Laney had got a video camera, and while Leanne was finishing up, we were trying to see how the night mode worked. We were standing in the doorway to the bedroom with the camera pointing the same direction when the screen went completely white. We didn't notice at the time, but when we rewatched the video, we all got cold chills. In the video, you see the screen go white, and then you can see the shadow outline 
of Leanne walk past. When the camera panned across the room, there in the far corner was a tall, manly shadow just standing there. Needless to say, after we saw that we ran out of the house and did not go back until we had more people with us, Sorry if the story's long. I tried to make it short. Love your show. Becoming an EPP of my next check. Until next time. That's got to be a fun night for three sisters. <laughs> hey, let's play with the camera. And there's a random shadow man over there in the corner. No, it'd make it better. Hmm. Ouija boards and the ghost apps where you can talk to the dead. No. That's what every teenage girl should do no. on a night with her sisters. I don't think so. <laughs> Hopefully everybody gets your sarcasm. It's sarcasm. I'm not saying you should do it. There you go. But eventually some there's some teenage girls who are like, that's a great idea. I'll go buy the pink one right now. Exactly. And we'll get a letter in about a month from now. Daniel writes in, I've had a paranormal, ex- or I've had paranormal experiences since I was a child. From what I'm told, sensitivity to spirits is an inherited trait. Do you believe that? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I do too. Both sides of my family, mother and father, had stories to tell. I'm an officer in the state of California and have worked the graveyard shift for a few years. I rely on my sensitivity to help in my duties. The lack of light can make work more difficult at times, but using my extra sense has always helped. Now to the story. About two weeks ago, my fiancé and I stayed at a hotel in Vegas to get away before the holidays. We stayed in one of their higher-end rooms that had a huge bathroom with two sets of double doors that lead to the spa tub and shower. The first night there, I was awoken to a feeling of being watched. I attempted to turn over and reach for my firearm I kept in my bag on my side of the bed, but I could not move. I then immediately felt the pressure of being pushed into the bed. I tried calling out to my fiancé, but could only manage a whisper of help me. She, of course, did not hear. I then tried to move my fingers to grab her shirt, but could barely manage to move them at all. Within a few seconds that seemed like days, I heard a pop or crack sound, then I was able to move again. After knowing it was okay, I went back to bed. To a certain degree, I'm used to this kind of stuff happening, so going back to sleep is a normal thing to me. I don't sit and fester over what happened when I know I need sleep. That morning, my fiancé and I got up and we were getting ready to go out and get lunch. I decided to tell her what happened. Immediately after I told her my story, she said that night she got up to use the bathroom and when she came out the double doors leading back to the room, they flew open. She said she got freaked out and ran back to bed, but didn't want to wake me up, thinking it was just a fluke. I tried to recreate those doors flying open for a good 30 minutes that day. There's no way they would have opened on their own. The main reason I'm writing in this in is in the last week I've heard at least three other stories similar to mine. One where a man even stated that he heard a pop sound and then could move again as well. It's too eerily similar, so I had to share. I have many more stories and experiences. If you want me to share, just let me know. I just found your podcast a few days ago. I've been listening every chance I get. You guys are amazing. Take care and Happy New Year, Daniel. I wonder what the pop sound is. Do you have any idea? I I know. I, I really don't have any idea. Um, and We hear that a lot. I know we do. I just have never been able to kind of figure out what that might be. I don't know if it's like... I don't even know where to begin on that. I really don't. If if it's something within our our minds, like a pressure change, 
a pressure change a pr- in your mind? Well, not necessarily a pressure change, but a, but a pressure change to what you're experiencing. Okay. You know, not not in your mind literally popping or anything, but just <laughs> <laughs> that came up wrong. Um, but, Sorry. But <laughs> if there's something to do with, with uh, uh, you know, pressure or heat, because there, there's that aspect to the paranormal where, you know, we are uh, measure cold spots, hot spots. If you're going from one area to another very fast or very quickly, maybe that's producing some sort of a pressure change. I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know where to begin on this one. Yeah, I just left it at I don't know. I don't know where to begin. And I was trying to dissect it a little bit and try to make some sense, and I'm still not making any sense because I have no idea where to go on it. No. Anyone else have any idea on the pop sound? Do you want to know what hotel it was? Yeah. It was Mandalay Bay. Really? Yeah, which surprised me because that one doesn't really have a history of no disasters or fires or anything. And it's... A newer one. I want to go and stay at the uh, old uh, Las Vegas uh, MGM, and which is now, I believe, Bally's. Is that, that correct? All by yourself, <laughs> and you have a blast. I'm staying down at um, somewhere else. That one's rumored to be fairly haunted. Uh huh. And if people are unaware of that story, do a little Wikipediaing on that one, and uh, you'll discover the multiple deaths that occurred there and a massive fire that occurred. When was this? The 80s? Sometime in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's interesting because it's set up. I never realized that there was two uh, MGMs. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't very accustomed to Vegas. I only started going to Vegas in the last 10 years. Um, but it had, you know, kind of the, you know, uh, Y shape to it, if you will. Mm-hmm. The original one did. And so does the new one. Yeah. And so growing up, when you see like on TV, guests of this show stay at. MGM. Uh-huh. I just always assumed it was the same MGM. I never realized they switched buildings. Yeah. And we're now a completely different. I just thought, oh, maybe they, you know, remodeled or something. I didn't realize it was a completely different space. Nor did I ever connect the dots of that horrific fire that occurred there either. But it's they completely remodeled that building. They did not tear it down. It is still standing. I believe it is Bally's now. I apologize if it's not Bally's and some other hotel that I'm rooting the name of. <laughs> uh but uh I believe it is. Um and it's uh yeah there's a lot of stories of that hotel. I'd love to hear some haunted Las Vegas stories. If anyone out there has got haunted Las Vegas stories, anybody in Las Vegas uh, feel free to write in or call into the show. We'd love to hear some of those. We could do a whole episode on haunted Las Vegas stories. That would be fun. It'd be very fun. Yeah, and I I know I've I've read some of those stories online. I don't think we've ever gotten any into the show no. about that specific building, but I have a feeling we will now. That would be good. That would be very interesting. Sarah writes in, Hey guys, before I start, I just want uh, to let you know how much I love your show. I'm an artist and love listening to the stories while I'm drawing. I love your show and the community that has grown around it. It's amazing. If I could afford it, I'd become an EPP in a second. Anyway, the story that I have for you guys is a bit of my own and of my cousin's. And I would have uh, called in with the story. But it's very emotional to me. And being a big baby that I am, I'd probably start crying while telling it. And that's not very attractive. I don't think people would want to listen to my blubbering. I can't remember the exact year, but approximately 10 years ago, my grandpa died. He was my favorite grandpa out of the two I had. And I spent just as much time with him as with my parents. 
when he lived close to us. He had the biggest heart of anyone I had ever known, then and now, and I still miss him all the time. He was mostly known in the family for being a really big and intimidating guy, but he really wouldn't hurt a fly. Three days before he passed, he had come by our house to visit us for a while. He was completely healthy at the time, or at least he seemed to be, and just wanted to talk with us and visit. Before he left, I remember the last thing he said to me was, See you later, alligator, which was his normal goodbye to me. I remember feeling really sad and horrible for some reason after that and cried for a while after he left. A few days later, we got a call from the police telling us that he had been found in his home having passed away from a heart attack. Apparently, he hadn't been taking his blood pressure medicine because he couldn't afford it and no one knew. There was an extremely guilty feeling through all of the family. No one knew and that's something that we felt we should have known. Even though I was young, I could understand how important something like that was, and I felt guilty as well. All right, now I can tell you the actual paranormal part of all of this. The night after his funeral, I was feeling awfully sick and weak, so I went to bed very early that night, and I had a dream. I was out on a fishing dock. My grandpa used to take me to all the time, and I was sitting by myself with my feet in the water. It's something I did all the time there, even though I was uh, always yelled at about alligators being in the water. I can remember how the water felt, and it was usually cold, even though it seemed to be a very sunny day. I then looked up and saw my grandpa come and sit down next to me, though I recall he didn't put his feet in the water. He then gave me a tight, one-armed hug and said to me, It's no one's fault but my own. I'm sorry I had to break my promise. And then I woke up, still able to feel the hug and even the feeling of the water on my feet. I remember I cried and cried for at least an hour or more after that. Even now I can still remember everything so vividly, so perfectly. It breaks my heart every time I think of it. I don't see this as just a normal dream after such a traumatizing event, mostly because I tie it into my cousin's story as well. The next day, my cousin, who was also extremely close to my grandpa and myself, came over to give us some of my grandpa's things. I told him about the dream I had, and he got really upset. He told me that the same night I had the dream, the night after the funeral, he was sitting in grandpa's house going through his stuff. He sat down at the kitchen table with some boxes he had packed, putting his head down on the table to rest. He said that he began to say things out loud, such as, We could have helped you. This didn't have to happen, etc. I don't recall exactly what he said, but it was along those lines. My cousin then told me that he felt something grip his shoulder tightly as if to comfort him. My grandpa had very strong, large hands when he grabbed you. You knew it was him. So my cousin only began to cry as the feeling of something gripping his shoulder didn't leave. He said it only left when he lifted his head off the table. I believe my cousin completely. He wouldn't make up something like that. Not about something so sensitive to everyone. My mother had an experience during the funeral as well, where she saw two doves fly directly over where we were having the service outside in the graveyard. That isn't exactly something that could be paranormal, but she said it hit her with such emotion that she had to walk away for a moment, which I remember her doing, but I don't remember seeing the doves. Anyway, I'm sorry I wrote so much and it might be a bit scattered from my emotions. If it seems that way, I apologize. This is just something that hits me after listening to the other stories you've gotten from people with similar visitation dreams. I know it wasn't just a dream to begin with. It had to have been something more, but I always doubted myself. Thank you guys so much for reading my story. I hope it gets uh, on the air. I hope I get to hear it. Keep it up.
I think the thing that's most striking to me about this story is I would imagine the grandpa had quite a bit of guilt of not doing what he was supposed to and it ended up making him have an untimely death. Mm -hmm. But how he came back to the ones he loved each in a different way, probably the way that would most speak to that person, you Mm -hmm. know, through a dream, through physical touch or through, you know, two doves, which may or may not have been paranormal, but the symbolism obviously brought to mind him to his daughter. So that, you know, in itself is enough to make, it's enough to be a sign. Sure. It's interesting. It's one of those things where you really kind of wonder, do you get the choice? Do you, if you want to go back mm-hmm. and make, uh, make some communication and then move on? And in this case, it sounds like he got that choice. And how to communicate to each loved one in the yeah. way best possible. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting story. Thank you for writing that in. We really do appreciate that. The phone number is 855-853-4802 to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Evan writes in, it started when I was six, about 15 years ago. One of the only memories I have from such an early age was that of a dream. Well, at least I thought it was. I woke up from my bed from a soft voice in my ear. I was never quite sure what it said, but I had to walk to the front door as I opened the door. I saw a pale woman, black hair, black dress, and deep, beautiful blue eyes. She reached her hand out to me and marked me with an X over my heart. She was very gentle and did it with a slight smile. I then woke up in my bed. My reasoning behind it being a dream is because I never heard anything of it for about eight years. When I was 14, I ended up seeing her in my dreams. Never scared, never hurt just seeing her. I didn't think anything of it. For one, I was 16, and my life started to change with the introduction of my future fiancé into my life. They started to change everything. I started to see her in real life with the same blue eyes and black dress. I always thought I was seeing things, kind of ignored it, just thought it was a figment of my imagination. But I was very wrong. When I was 18, I and my fiancé moved out to Vancouver. She and I were as happy as could be, and I hadn't seen her for quite some time. But it all started to change when she found me. I was out back working and having a cigarette when the wind picked up. I heard the creaking of the parking sign across from me, and I saw her. She was stumbling slightly as she walked. Something was different about her this time. Her dress was tattered and ripped. Her skin was kind of gray. Then she looked at me. I saw her eyes were pitch black holes, and she had a crooked smile. She stopped, and all I heard from the wind is, Found you then uttered a painful inhale scream. The sound haunts me. I quickly ran inside. Still, that point, I started to really notice her. She would talk to me in my sleep. We would have conversations. She didn't like my fiancé and really wanted her gone. I said that she wasn't going anywhere. She'd get mad and scream. The same scream. That's when I started to practice meditation. Every day, I'd start to force out the inner light, pushing all darkness away, until one night I didn't. Let's backtrack a little bit. For about a year at this point, when I was 19, I got really hard into drugs. Took them quite frequently. With the meditation, I felt invincible. I didn't see her for such a long time. I thought she lost interest. Until one night... I was going to bed and didn't and hadn't been sleeping very well the past few nights. So to compensate, I took a sleeping pill. I fell asleep before my meditation ritual. I woke up in a graveyard. 
This particular graveyard was dark, foggy, and cold. I was standing there, staring at the woman dressed in black, with her gray face, her head tilted slightly with that crooked smile. She started walking towards me, her head moving side to side, whispering to me, You're mine. I'll never leave. All of a sudden, I felt a strong force against my back, and I fly towards her. I landed on my stomach. I didn't want to turn over. It was filled with fear and anger. I got forced on my back, only to see her staring at me. Then the scream started, like nails on a chalkboard mixed with breaking glass. Then, with her sharp nails, she started to dig into my chest, tearing me open, laughing and screaming. I awoke. My chest was in fire and I was screaming. A cold sweat covered my body, but my fiancé never woke up. I ran to the bathroom, my chest soaked and throbbing. I turned on the light. To my horror, my chest is covered in blood. I take a towel and wipe the blood. My chest had massive scratch marks and deep cuts. I could see my ribs. I fell to the ground and back against the wall. I just feel the claw marks covering my chest. I get up, but they're gone. No scar, no blood on the towel, no sign of anything ever happening. All I hear is a quiet laughter tormenting me. I then got ready for work and headed out the door. I got on the train just like any other day, but once I sat down, something forced me back to sleep. I woke up to see the same train. It was coated in blood and lights flickering, and all I hear is laughter. I turned my head to see her sitting in the seat next to me. She just looks at me, smiling with her eyes blue. She took my hand, and then it all went black. Once the lights came on, I saw her black eyes. Face gray. She screamed and jumped at me. I wake up screaming, feeling heavier and feeling different, but the same. I went about my day not realizing what had happened. That next day, I quit drugs entirely and haven't done them since, but she's always there. We talk. She's slowly gone back to normal with her blue eyes and peaceful smiles. She told me I was poisoning her, feeding her demons, so to speak. She's here to help me and not hurt me. She's always beside me, always whispering words of strength in my ear. She says, once I go, we can be together forever. I had to ask her before I posted this. Okay, so if you're having that kind of relationship with an entity, is that cheating? Even though it's not intimate physically, it's intimately emotional. Cheating with a ghost? Is it cheating with a ghost? Well, yeah, I guess it would be. Um, I don't. I mean, yeah. I, I I don't know. I think there needs to be some more evaluation done here. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> I was just just slightly. I was just going with the uh, the paranormal. Yeah. Uh, certainly, obviously, the drugs aggravated the situation uh-huh. and kind of calmed them down once he got off of them. But I think there may be more going on here than is paranormal. I just thought it was an interesting story. It is. It's a very interesting story. Um, you know, and it may not it may not be a mental issue. It may be some genuine story where there is some sort of borderline type possession type thing going on. And I don't know if possession is the right word when you're seeing something else out there. Um, but uh, there's there's certainly something going on here that's needs evaluation. 
I wonder how that relationship goes. How does the lover feel about the uh, the ghost? The fiance. Feel yeah, about the, the, ghost? the fiance feel about the ghost lover. Yeah. If she knows. If she knows. <laughs> well, has she ever witnessed him having the conversations with the unseen woman? Probably not. If the unseen woman does not like the fiance. Yeah. Very interesting story. Just thought I'd ask and see if yeah. that is a uh, grounds for cheating. I would think so. I would think so. I think yeah. if you're that intertwined with somebody emotionally, it, it can Even if they're dead. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Gabriel Wright said, when I was in middle school, I remember there were these two girls who would make and play a Ouija board during class. I'm not going to say how they did it because I don't want their other viewers to create their own Ouija boards, but I followed in their footsteps and created my own. And we're asking the board if I could speak to my guardian angel. The spirit came through and it identified itself as such. The spirit had also given me her name, but I'm not going to write it here. I believe that calling out the names of any of these spirits will bring them to you. Call me crazy, but I don't want to take any chances. Looking back, I know that this could have been any spirit disguising itself as something benevolent, uh, like an angel. I was very fortunate that this spirit was kind to me for the time, and as I was speaking to her, nothing out of the ordinary ever occurred whenever I called this spirit. It wasn't until I used the board with my sister that something strange did happen. I asked my sister if she wanted to call someone. She picked a celebrity who passed away a few years before. I remember that the planchette of my Ouija board would only move in a figure eight across the whole board. It would move very quickly and in only figure eight motions. We tried speaking to the spirit in an attempt to get into uh, try to get it to spell something out. We had no luck. Finally, the planchette stops and it slowly spelled out respect. The spirit went right back into doing figure eights. At this point, me and my sister were freaking out after it spelled out respect. I tried saying goodbye to the spirit, but it continued with the same motions. Then I didn't, it, I didn't want us to remove our fingers in the planchette without there being a, a consensual departure. I once heard of this Ouija rule. There has to be a mutual and respectful departure from the spirit you're communicating with. There was the implication that removing your finger without saying goodbye would anger the spirit to the point where the spirit would stay and haunt your home. But that's exactly what we had to do. I also remember that the planchette was still moving just a bit after we removed our fingers. What should we do? I remember my sister asking me. Now, I know I shouldn't have done this, but I used the board again to speak to my reported guardian angel. I described our situation and was asking whether or not I should burn the board. The spirit advised me not to burn the board, but to throw it away outside of my home. I took the board three blocks away from my house, threw that Ouija board away in a dumpster that belonged to my church. I know that's kind of funny, but I thought that would be the best place to dispose of it. Fortunately, nothing lingered after that Ouija board. And since those middle school days, I haven't used or created any Ouija board since. The interesting thing, I remember years later, I was watching a show about the paranormal. In this show, there was a man who reported using a Ouija board. And as a result, he brought upon a dangerous spirit who wouldn't leave his home. He burned his board in an attempt to get rid of the spirit. A psychic had later advised him that burning the Ouija board had actually kept that spirit in his home. Not sure if burning the board created a portal or if it closed the portal, keeping the spirit there. I remember watching this show with such disbelief because I almost created the same error. 
I was also left wondering whether or not my guardian angel was actually a real angel. I hope that my story can convince others not to use the Ouija board. I thank God that nothing more serious happened when I was using the board as a kid. I also distrust tarot cards. I saw another show how tarot cards can also attract malevolent spirits to your home. Thank you, Tony and Jenny, for allowing me to share my story. I've learned so much from your show. God bless. So, when in doubt, throw it in the church dumpster. Is that it? It's ready to go. I wonder how many Ouija boards church dumpsters find in them every year. How many times they go out there like, oh, look, another Ouija board. (laughs) It kind of makes sense to throw it in there, I guess. Next to all the stale communion wafers. I'm not saying to go, you know, (laughs) illegally throw things away in your church dumpster. Just Ouija boards, that's all. I guess if you're a kid, that makes the most sense. It does make some sense. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, discount them for, for thinking of that. That's not a bad idea. No. It's not like it's a holy dumpster or anything. But holy dumpster. <laughs> Go bless the dumpster and all Ouija boards will be cleansed. No, I don't think that's how it works, but it's somewhat logical if you're a kid. You know? There you go. That wraps up today's story. So no real ghost stories online. If you have a real ghost story, you can call into us, 855-853-4802. And remember, if you're not an EPP yet and you like the show, being an EPP is what supports our show and keeps us on the air. So if you're new to the show, you like the show, please consider becoming an EPP. You become one through our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Five bucks a month, you get uh, all those bonus shows. Uh, 20 bonus shows right now is what you'll get sent to you instantly. And you get a new episode every single week, new bonus episode emailed directly to you. And we put some of our best stories uh, that we find uh, of the week on there. And it's, it's stories that no one else is hearing, only EPP stories. So uh, a nice little exclusive there as a thank you for supporting the show. So please uh, do check that out at Real Ghost Stories Online. So, for Jenny Bruski, who I can't see right now because we're currently sitting in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still here. You're over there. I believe you are. Uh, Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Mm -hmm.